Hey everybody, welcome to the All Heart Podcast. I'm your host, Noni Lamar, and this is a podcast all about healing the culture with joy and pleasure. Today, my guest is the incredible, incredible Prentice Hemphill. Prentice is a somatic healer, coach, facilitator, writer. They are one of the most incredibly brilliant minds that I know. Um, Prentice is a person that when I really want to be inspired and I want to challenge the way that I think, I definitely give Prentice a call, go by their IG, check out their blog. Like I'm just constantly um, amazed by their brilliant, brilliant mind and even bigger heart. So I've been wanting Prentice to be a guest here for a long time. And I think now is the perfect time given that They really know a lot about how we deal with our feelings in our body. And right now we are all hyper-focused on our bodies, on our soma, right? So I wanted Prentice to come in and talk about our bodies and love. And that's what this episode is about. I think it's super practical advice. It's um, really interesting information. Some of it will be new to you, I guarantee. And I just ask that you share this episode with one person. I think right now we all need to be thinking about love and our body in a new way. And this episode really helps support that. So thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. I love y'all. Thank you for sharing. Leave a review if you haven't left a review. Follow on Instagram if you haven't followed. I'm grateful for all of you listening and sharing and having a conversation with me about this. This podcast is my offering in this moment. This uh, this podcast is my medicine in this moment to share. So I send you lots of love wherever you are and enjoy. Let me know what you think. So welcome everybody. We have my friend Prentice here today. Prentice, can you actually introduce yourself? I think that would be great. Oh, wow. <laughs> I usually avoid that at all costs. Um, I'm Prentice Hempel. And you mean um, intro what I do in the world? Yeah. Intro yeah. however you feel you want to talk about yourself. That's a little yeah. bit more organic than me reading your bio. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm a partner. I'm a sibling. I'm a child of um, some lovely people. I'm feeling that more and more every day. I'm just feeling really a part of my family, part of my tribe. Um, I, in the world, I do a lot of things. (laughs) And the short list is I... uh, I'm a practitioner of somatics, which is a healing modality that centralizes the body as the site of transformation and healing. So I teach that I am a practitioner and a body worker. I am also a facilitator um, and I facilitate from the body and from the wisdom of the body and the natural world. Uh, I also write a lot of things. Increasingly, I write. And um, yeah, I think that mostly encompasses what I do and how I get down. 
I wanted you to be on this podcast because you're one of the people that I learn from the most about the body every time we talk. And I would say I'm a pretty embodied person. Like I, I'm a Taurus. Ooh, it's Taurus season. Thank God. It's my, <laughs> it's, my, it's my season. Eat all the good foods. Experience the great senses. But I feel like you helped me see the body with new, new eyes. And I wanted to have a conversation with you today so that we could all start looking at our body maybe just from a new option. No pressure, but I think right now we're all hyper aware of our bodies. We're in this moment together, this plague-like energy everywhere where we're all so, so in our body, a part of our body, hyper in our body. So I w- my intention with our conversation is to talk about the body, to talk about love and connection and what that means right now. And I really believe that you're a visionary and I want to ask you how you see where we're moving and what are some options we can move to. Before we get into that, I want to ask you a heart-to-heart question to kick us off, and that is, Prentice, how do you like to be loved? And I'll answer too, just so you know. You're not going to put yourself out there alone. Okay. Ooh, what an exposing question. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Okay. Well, I think as like, you know, we talked about the body and that being so central to how I relate to my experience of my life. I'm very tactile. I'm very, very tactile. I like to touch. I like to be touched um, consensually, but touch is very, very important to me. Um, And another way, I'm kind of real simple. Like I just like people to say, I love you. And this is why. This is what I saw you do and it meant something to me or I trust you or mm. yeah, I, I like the words. I like the words. I like the word. So if someone can tell me that they love me and why I just, I like, I'm like a little starburst. It just <laughs> makes me want to explode. <laughs> so I think mostly that, but you know, that takes a kind of like looking for somebody to really see you and, see what you're trying to do, what you're efforting towards, which is a little bit different than I love you because you always do A, A, B, C, D for me. But like, I love you because I see you trying this thing or I see you stretching in this way. Um, If you can see the things that I'm like trying for, I love that. Mm. I really feel like I'm here and that's nice. And you said like, not what some what you're doing for that person which i i think you wrote something that touched me that it was like not about being useful mm-hmm. like people i related to you talking about folks that love you because you're useful to them mm-hmm. and that's like an experience that i've had throughout my life being that i am useful and i seek to be useful i seek mm-hmm. i seek to give right but folks that are loving me just 
just because of me, you know, not how I make them feel or what I do for them, but rather just seeing me, I really relate to that. Yeah. That point you brought up before too. Yeah. I feel like it's also, it's just a really important thing for us to have discernment around because we can wear ourselves out or, um, kind of negate our own satisfaction when we get caught up in our utility, which I like to be useful too. Like, I think that's actually, you know, that's how we make our contributions to Mm -hmm. the world. But when I'm like, oh, this is what love is about. You can wear yourself out that way. So I I really do appreciate And it's few and far between when you can be loved you know, in that, that broad way you're talking about, but that doesn't happen every day, but that's the, that's what I'm, that's what I'm longing for. For me, I like to be loved with a lot. I was thinking about this since I asked the question. (laughs) Uh, I like actually to be loved with a lot of closeness and a lot of space. And it kind of surprised me because I'm always like, telling my partner, like, I need more time. I want some more time. I was like, do I? (laughs) Or or do I just like to do that? You know what I mean? Like, or do I like that feeling of like, oh, he's gone again. Oh, Mm -hmm. I wish he'd come back, you know? Um, I like a lot of space. And I, I realize all the people that I'm really close to provide me that dance that I'm right here when you need me and I'm okay when you're not here too. Mm -hmm. And that, that push and pull is really great to me. And I also, I really love like quality. I I, I think I'm a bit, I'm a, maybe it's a bit too deep. You know what I mean? Like the way I love to be loved is like, really like, like, let's get in here. I've been, I've been, quarantining with my mom and I'm pushing her boundaries like Mm -hmm. I'm I'm like no this isn't enough for me like at the start of quarantine I realized she was watching Star Trek every day everybody loves Raymond and I'm like I want to connect and talk through some childhood stuff since we're here oh wow (laughs) oh wow like can we can we do that that's how I like to love that's how I like to be loved too which is really on purpose really connected really tuned in not distracted at all because I'm not you know so and how do you like to give love (laughs) I'm like I don't maybe I'm just um well, I, I think the way I like to give love is also the way that I like to receive it. I'm I'm like, come here. Mm. Um, I love to talk about it. I love to write about it. I love to talk about all the nuances of love. I like to go deep. I really do like to listen. And um, I think that I'm learning through long-term partnership yeah that (laughs) a lot of things um (laughs) but one is to be like just because that's what you want doesn't mean that that's how other people feel loved so right also trying to like try out other ways of loving because my my partner is very much 
you know, if you talk about the love languages, she's very much acts of service. Hmm. So if I can anticipate a thing before she can and I do it, then she's like, then that just makes her feel love. But that's not something that I would, you know, I'm kind of like deep now in this moment. Let's go. Yeah, we're the same. I'm not thinking about like, oh, if I did this one little thing (laughs) before you thought about it, you would feel. So it's been a it's been a big learning curve. and. I think a like a uh, is a useful thing to get out of my own patterns around love. Be like, oh, there's all these other ways you can express your care for somebody. But yeah, that that mm-hmm. takes letting go of the ego too. You know, like I, I being in that long term partnership too. It's like, oh, there is the there is what feels great to me, and there are places that I don't want to switch, and neither does he. Yeah, but I noticed it was just my birthday, and I noticed like. Oh, he's doing on my birthday all the things I like. Like, yeah. oh, look at you're so affectionate. Like, you're so present. You're anticipating what I what I desire. Like, yeah. I think I will. It's been two days since my birthday. I woke up. I was like, oh, this nigga's back. Like, it's regular <laughs> yeah. again. Like, like that shit lasted forty eight hours. Look, it was your birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Can't do it all the time, but sometimes. <laughs> I really had the thought like I was five, like I wish it was my birthday every day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it wouldn't be special, so. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Pete, what, let's talk about somatics right now. Mm-hmm. I want to know what you've been thinking about. I want to know, first, like, let's talk about what is somatics, just so we can create a container mm-hmm. for folks listening. Yeah. Um, I've been using the word somatics recently kind of interchangeably with the word embodiment. Um, but somatics is the way I've studied it. It's, it's both like a, a set of practices that help you become more sensitized to your lived experience. So what's happening in your body. Um, it also has in it somatics is like, this is how change happens. So it's like a theory too about how we can change on our most fundamental level because um, part of what we've kind of held to be true in somatics is the way at least Western society is kind of organized is that it it, um, makes the head seem like that's where the show is being run is in your head and your brain. And over time, we learn to, in a whole lot of ways, desensitize ourselves to what happens in the rest of ourselves and the rest of our body. Mm -hmm. It's like who you are is concentrated in your thinking and in your head. So somatics tries to disturb that and says that we can't ever really learn something or change if we don't include the body. Hmm. Like change, learning has to include the embodied experience or it's just a good idea. That's why we can um, know better, but not be able to do it. It's because it doesn't live in our bodies fully. So um, somatics is how we change through the body. And it's a bunch of practices that help us do that more. Mm -hmm. And that clear that break it down? That really is clear. Right. Well, it feels like 
our whole world right now is super hyper aware in what's happening with our body. So I wanted to ask you, like, what do you think somatics has to teach us about this moment right now? Yep, a lot. Um, one thing that I was feeling kind of at the start of this was that, you know, there, there are choice points inside of all of this um, that we have to be mindful of. This moment could make us afraid of our bodies and afraid of other bodies, mm-hmm. um, afraid of what we're feeling in our bodies, afraid of sensations, um, that it might be leading to symptoms it just might I mean it is going to reshape kind of our relationship to our individual bodies and the collective bodies but we also have some choice um, if we have awareness around how we're being changed and shifted so I think um, somatics has a lot to offer there of just like how do I um, remain sensitive and curious and not let fear run my relationship to my body. Mm. I think somatics also part of it, part of being kind of sensitized to yourself, part of feeling into your body is allowing what is there to be there. Cause oftentimes we'll have an, a, uh, an emotion and then the mind will want to override it cause it's inappropriate or it's the wrong time or it doesn't mm. suit our personality or gender or whatever. Um, so somatics, I, I think at its best can allow us to feel what it is we feel. And I think that is really the only way through all of this is to just feel, um, to feel our way through. And, um, I think that's true for most everything that happens in our lives. And it's, it's true for these massive historical moments that when we don't feel our way through it doesn't feel possible to that's when um things kind of remain stuck in our bodies or in our psyche so um i think somatics can offer us ways to feel what it is we feel and stay alive on the other side of that and say feeling i don't know about yeah you know something you just said is something that actually comes up with me a lot and i want to know how you handle it okay It actually happened this morning. (laughs) Um, Someone will start talking about something. I'm in a great conversation. I'm like, oh, this is cool. Like, I love this. And then they hit a part of the conversation where I'm like, uh, no, I wasn't really looking to dig into that right now. Hmm. And I'll have a feeling come up, you know? And I'm like, that's not really where I want to, I don't want to feel that right now. Because mm-hmm. I have to do this podcast mm-hmm. in in a in an hour and a half. So if I go into that place, I'm gonna be in that feeling, and I'm not gonna be able to do right. I'm not gonna be able to do this useful thing later. And I find myself sometimes compartmentalizing that feeling, putting it mm-hmm. on a shelf, mm-hmm. because I think sometimes I'll hear like, "Oh, we gotta." We got to feel out loud or we got to feel our way through or we got to honor our feelings. But when it comes to the day-to-day practical way, right? When those feelings come up, it's not just when you're sitting there in meditation, right? Mm -hmm. Our feelings are coming up when there's triggers 
to bring them up. Our feelings are coming up when there's a conversation or a moment that reminds us of something. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you deal with that? I would say that your feelings are your relationship to the external world. That the feelings that you have are in relationship to external stimuli. Um, and I think there's a lot to how we, how certain feelings might knock us off more than others hmm. um, related to our own histories, or our own experiences with trauma. And when you talk about trigger, I'm like that, to me, that that's a particular response to traumatic stimuli. So if something mm-hmm. reminds me of a, of a trauma that is unprocessed in me, um, that's going to have a significant impact on my ability to do whatever it is that I intended to do. Um, I would say that might be in some ways distinct from mm. the kind of feeling that I might be talking about. And I think the more that we, the more that we invite our feelings, the more that we make friends with them, the less jarring many of them can be. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. So I feel <laughs> I mean, we talk about what I do. I feel a lot of things. I feel um, deeply, and I have to organize my life somewhat around that. So hmm. I work with clients, for example. I mm-hmm. do somatic coaching work, body work, and I can only do that a couple t- a couple days a week. I can't do that. I used to just whenever people could schedule throughout my week. But if I'm writing a curriculum and then I have a break and I work with a client, it's a whole different emotional mm-hmm. terrain and it's a whole different way I have to hold that. So I started to restructure my time and I know that it's like, there's a certain privilege in me being able to restructure my time mm-hmm. in order to feel um, what I feel, but I also am going to a lot of depths of emotions with people and with myself. So um, yeah, I, I do some, thinking about how do I structure my day in relationship? How do I structure my day? Not so that everything will be felt and not stopped, but so that I'm more, um, I'm making more room for feeling. I think that we, when you talk about privilege, uh, most of us are at home right now. Mm -hmm. And like, we are, we are, we can look at it as a privilege of a way to structure our day in a different way to deal with the things that are coming up, right? I want to talk about um like yeah, I did use that word trigger. I have a I have a real I have a real bone to pick with like how we deal with triggers as a generation, right? Like a big time one, like if it's a trigger then you should be dealing with it, not just telling me not to trigger you. Like <laughs> that I shouldn't just be giving you warnings left and right, like what go sit down, right? Go go inside. Um I want to talk about that. Like, I want to talk about how those triggers show up in our bodies. What, what's the stuff that you, that can come up in the body that we know it's a trigger and how, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I think so. Mm-hmm. I think so. Um, I think what I'll do uh, is say that If we think about a trigger, I'm going to put that at the very end of the spectrum of um, reactions the body can have. Because okay. a trigger is going to 
basically take you out of this moment and put your put you your emotional self in another point in time right so you know i i say sometimes that like when i work with clients sometimes all of us sometimes we can have um part of our body that's reacting to something that happened in 1995 absolutely you know what i'm saying something that happened in 2010 might be living in this part of the body that yeah um so when something triggers us it's really taking us into another point in time i think that the thing around time is really Mm. a critical point for me and how i think about trauma it's time traveling Mm. so i think that um yeah, a trigger will kind of snatch you. Now, I think that there's like a gradient scale where we have reactive bodies to different stimuli. So for example, um, I'll use some examples from my life. Like uh, I had a lot of school trauma growing up. I was bussed out of my neighborhood to white schools and I had a lot of trauma around belonging and not belonging and just Mm. like what that meant and how high stakes that felt for me Mm. um and because i hadn't processed that what i ended up carrying was anytime i would go into a new environment or new group i would kind of pull back Mm. tighten my chest Mm. make my eyes very watchful make my Mm. breath very shallow and it'd be, you know, subtle. It's not like I would go, you know, Velcro myself to the wall or anything. I wasn't like, right. you know, like this, but it's just like subtle shifts mm-hmm. that was like, I'm prioritizing my hypervigilance. I'm prioritizing watching. Mm. I'm not prioritizing curiosity or connection. Mm. I'm making myself very still. And these are, um, these are, kind of hardwired skills that our body has to protect ourselves from dangerous situations. But now we live in a different kind of world. There's different kind of dangers. Some of them are social, some of them are egoic, some of them are, you know, there's different kinds of threats. Um, but that's one way. So I think, you know, we talk about this moment in the context that people are living in. I'm thinking about what proximity brings up and the beauty of that and the challenge of that, if people have have been able to like leave their homes to feel mm. free. Like if there are people that are in homes that are like, I don't wanna be in this home. Like this, it's not a place for me where I feel nurtured. Then mm. what their body's gonna have to do to shut down or to mm. close in mm. or to st- still itself in order to mm-hmm have some semblance of safety. I think that's one kind of somatic reaction that a lot of people uh, might be experiencing right now, as an example. You wrote this piece. I'm going to link it in the, in the description of this podcast. Um, But you talked a lot about connection and consent, and I want to hear your thoughts about it. Like, how do you think this current moment is impacting connection. I'll give you an example for me um, too. One, I was in the, at the kind of, it's weird because it feels like we are also time traveling very quickly. Like this has been happening for eight weeks, seven, eight weeks, right? At the top of it, you know, it was a lot jovial, more jovial. 
Then we started getting into it and it started getting more and more intense to the point where I, I can't really go out much anymore. I can't go grocery shopping like I was because I can't deal with the ways in which people do not want to touch each other so badly. One, I feel invincible, you know, like, so I'm not really chipping, but I feel like I have some invincibility, some crazy immune system, call me foolish, or just a practice, a practitioner of metaphysics, whatever you like, right? So I'm not really tripping out there, but there was a woman, a black woman who ran away from me at the store and it really stuck out to me, right? And then yesterday a friend brought over, dropped by the sweetest gift a bunch of friends got together and like got me flowers and a gift card and like all this beautiful thing and I couldn't I couldn't hold her I couldn't say thank you in the way that I wanted to and the tension that it created for me it was it was just like I found myself talking more than I normally would I found I could hear myself talking like that like talking quickly I usually leave a lot more room and space for the other person to take. But because I couldn't hold her to say thank you, I was trying to find a way to connect that felt a little bit more um, intense, you know? Yeah, I think that's, um, that's probably a really shared experience right now, our ways of connecting and... Um, the ways that we know to kind of offer care, release through touch is, yeah, we're not able to do it. And that was one of the things I was saying before is that I hope that we can remember not just touch, but remember what touch does. And it's not going to necessarily be a substitute for touch, but if what touch allows, which I imagine just given like, you know, we were all babies once and we were held. And when we were held, we let go. And we were, we got to be small and someone else bigger. Mm. Or we got to just feel that transmission of love and care. Um, and our bodies got to let go. That even if we can't have those physical experiences of um, pressing our bodies together or holding one another, that maybe when we do have some kind of proximity to one another, whether it's through computer or you know, I talk to my neighbor across the fence, um, that we're able to, in our own bodies, do the thing yeah. that holding does. Because I know when I get a good hug, something in me goes, ah, oh, <laughs> relaxes, right? Mm-hmm. And... <clears throat> I can do that even without a hug because of my practice. I know how to, right? Or I know how to reveal or be vulnerable to be soft in my front. Hmm. Um, Even when there's space between us. And I think those are the kinds of things we want to get underneath what the physical touch, what our bodies want through the physical touch. Is it that you want to let go? Is it that you want to be seen? And maybe the most we have right now is to name the longing. Like, I really want to hold you right now. 
Mm. I really want to hug you right now and say it in a way that it can be felt. And I think even if that doesn't create mm. the same thing as connection, it creates something. It creates mm. something more than what we had. And what do you think this moment's teaching us about consent? Because there's a, there's a whole lot there. There is a whole lot there. I'm not even sure I, I have a whole handle on all of it, but um, I was just really struck. You know, I wrote that piece, Contagion, Connection, Consent. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what it's called. I should know, but I think it's something, <laughs> it's like, a, it's something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, but I wrote it in the middle of the night, um, at the beginning of the stay, I think it was even before the stay at home, but kind of like when this thing was starting to happen. And I was like, what are the things, you know, this is a terrible thing. And what are the the principles that we want to lift up in this moment that are important for us to embody now? And we'll have always been important and will be important in the next moment, whatever that will be. And I was like, you know, one thing I'm seeing is that there's a lot more practice of consent in the world. (laughs) And even if people have never thought about consent or been like, I'm actively practicing consent, the fact that people are like, oh, can I, can I walk closer? Can I, can I do this? Can, you know, I'm gonna, I'm caring for your body by doing this. And I'm also caring for my body. There's just a lot more awareness that there's this interconnection mm-hmm. and we could just make it all scary. Like we pass pathogens to each other, but I'm like, there's <laughs> also a lot of other things we pass between one another. Mm-hmm. And if we took this much, if we had this much intention around like, who are you? Who am I? What, what is it that would feed you out of this interaction? What is it that feeds me out of this interaction? I think that kind of time we're taking, that practice we're in right now is something we should actually amp up on the other side of this. Cause a lot of us have always wanted that kind of care. <laughs> <laughs> we never thought we could. I, you know, there's some people I want to be six feet away from me. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's it's interesting for me uh, reading your piece. I realize how little I think of consent, and one is because I have really strong boundaries. Yeah, like I have. I remember, like, at some point in my twenties, I was talking to some group of dudes, and they were like. I was like, it don't really seem like none of y'all ever try to get with me. Like, what's like, what was, you know, it was just like one of those kind of conversations. They were like, well, you got that wall. And I was like, what wall? They're like, you're so kind, but you got that wall. That wall says, don't come too close. I was like, oh yeah, I do have that wall, you know? So I don't really, you don't have to ask permission because I'm going to tell you. (laughs) Oh, would <laughs> would you like to come closer? Yeah, yeah you know. Right. So it's been interesting to me to see a lot of permission being asked and granted, and to even be, you know, can I leave something on your porch? Is that okay? Yeah. Um, I was asking my sister to pick up something, and I had to ask her consent. 
normally I would have been like, yo, pick this up for me on your way over here. Yeah. Right? That's that's my girl. I tell her, you know, yeah. she normally yeah. Be like, yeah, I got you, you know. But I had to be like, hey, um, do you mind? How do you I said, how do you feel about <laughs> yeah. picking up something from this place? And she was like, Well, what are their practices? Mm-hmm. Did they have contact li- she had all these questions that I don't, you know, I don't have. Like I'm just like, yeah, drop it on the porch, wipe it down, keep it pushing, mm-hmm. you know? But she had a different level of how she wants to interact with this virus yeah. than I do. And I had like so much respect for it, you know, because that's where we, what we all have to do right now. That's right. Those are her boundaries. What do you, um, have you noticed that people are more lonely Yes. Yes and no. Yes and no. <laughs> Tell me both. Tell me um, both sides of it. One is, is my personal side of it. <laughs> that I've, you know, I spent the last, well, it's, there's multiple things to it, but I spent the last handful of years traveling so much. I haven't spent this much time at home in years and years. Mm. And I love everything about it. <laughs> I love everything about being at home. Um and I'm constantly talking to people on Zoom too. So it's mm. like there's a certain kind of loneliness I, I miss around like being close to different bodies mm-hmm. or being in certain spaces, like being kind of enveloped in that. Um but I Personally, I hate to say it, but I feel really fine. (laughs) (laughs) But what about... At home, I kind of like coming out about it. What about, P, what are some things that folks can do that are sheltering in place by themselves right now? Like, there's some people that they've been alone for two months. Yep. Uh, Yeah, I know. That is the other side of it for me. It's just... um, and I think even people that are sheltering alone are having varied experiences of what that means. Um, I think the question of like, uh, the, the body's loneliness or the body's isolation, I guess I'll call it more so like. That's exactly, being, that's exactly what I'm talking about. The feeling of, I know what I feel like when I feel touch deprived. It doesn't happen a ton because I'm touched by four children constantly. Yes. But I do know the feeling of feeling like, ah, I just need to be that thing you said, like a bigger body around Mm -hmm. my body touching me. Or it doesn't have to be bigger. It could be like the same. We could be like the same size. (laughs) Like, but like that pressing... Yeah. And I'll, I'll refer to it as my body feels cold. Mm-hmm. And that coldness that I see people starting to feel, I see people that are feeling that, that are alone, they're starting to look like they're going crazy, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, I think there are, um, I think that is a very real longing and it has very real impacts. So you think about, 
kids that don't get that kind of touch mm-hmm. or comfort mm-hmm. and the kinds of impacts that has long-term on connection, intimacy. Um, so I think it's a real thing and something that we're going to have to figure out on the other side of this, mm-hmm. like what the healing is. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some like practical things and I've worked with folks um, in this last period that can be helpful. I think some of it we talked talked about earlier is like how where I am connecting with people even if it's across the computer how am I increasing my practice of intimacy mm. and revealing in those because that does something and then there's the physical um can I be enveloped so having someone like tightly wrap up in a blanket or mm. something like that mm. um having someone you know, they have weighted blanket. I have a weighted blanket here, for example, like me too. 25 pounds up and on top of me. It's like, okay. Yeah. It's not the same, but it's like, we can put some of the pieces together and remind the body what that pressure feels like and what that sense of something bigger. Hmm. Um, also like I've, I've suggested to people to take a warm bath and hmm. just sink in there. And frankly, also use your imagination. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the combination of those things mm-hmm. and imagination. I mean, honestly, yeah, it's like it doesn't quite scratch I mean, the itch. I mean, people wa- people watch porn every day, okay? Like, yes, you're yes. obviously using your imagination, <laughs> like exactly because you're not there. No. <laughs> okay. Interesting. I really like those combinations together. What about? You know, I study metaphysics. So when I think about the lungs, I think about how the lungs really hold grief, right? There are all these different parts of our bodies are holding different emotions. I wanted to ask you, in somatic work, do different parts of the body hold different things? Can you talk a little bit about it? Yeah, Um and it, there are different kind of schools of thought around that. There's some somatic practitioners that maybe similarly to metaphysics will say, you know, as the body, if you think about the human body, what we call the human body, it is a developing process in and of itself. Like it's a changing process and it comes from many changes too. And um, I think that's one way that I really um, kind of, it has me embrace the complexity and difference in bodies to think about how the body is always in formation and adaptation Mm. Mm. Um, but one of the things in somatics that they say is that um, everything that gets developed inside the human body it it kind of unlocks or creates uh, emotional or psychological capacity so Mm every part of us that exists is related to something new that we can feel or do. So, you know, if I have a arm or hand and I I can reach out, suddenly the, suddenly connection starts to have a different texture to it or complexion. Mm -hmm. um, If I can make choice around touch. So it unlocks that in our body. So somatics definitely has some theories and, and grief and lungs is definitely one I've been taught to there's that relationship what um what do you see 
our future looking like? You, Prentice, what do you see us moving toward right now? Which version do you want? I want both. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's where the truth is. So I want both. I've been really inspired by how many people are growing things right now. Mm. I look at my friends on social media. People are growing things in pots on their, you know, fire escapes in New York. Mm. Or, you know, in their backyards, just some for the first time or, you know. So I, I, I'm I, like, ooh, I've never seen this before. This many, like, places of cultivating food and growth. Um, I think that, I hope that that remains important to people. Mm. Um, because I, I think that is a lot of the key to... Um, what we need and and what could be possible, what another world could look like. Um, to be on that note, like I live out in the country, like in a rural place, mm-hmm. and it doesn't feel very different out here than it did mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. It impacts the rural in a different way. Now, some places are being really hard hit, but it's not that different. The pace is not that different. And what we, you know, have between us, I got eggs from the folks across the way yesterday, gave mm-hmm. them sauerkraut that we made. Like there's just a different, um, I mean, we still have the same economic system, but there's also a little sub right. right. thing too. Um, so I think that's one of the things I'm most hopeful about. I'm like, let us keep moving in that direction because it's not just about it is definitely about tearing things down that don't serve us or serve life, but we also need to be able to know how to do some things in order to cultivate life. And yeah. that we're losing that in a real rapid way. Um, the other thing I see that I feel uh, concerned about is, um, yeah, I think this is the fear that takes hold, the fear of connection, the fear of one another. You see that in kind of the reactionary political space um you see these armed folks marching into state capitals and stuff i'm like all of that is an entire mess um, <laughs> and i don't see it flowing necessarily so i think we there's just um you know when i see that i actually get inspired Mm, Tell me about that. I want some of that. One, well, it makes me look at the body politic differently. Right now is the most incredible hands-on lesson in government. Like if you're homeschooling your high schooler, we are learning in real time about who has power, who doesn't have power, what what is constitutional on a state level, mean what does it mean on a federal level what can a governor do to override what's happening in this county and how can the president override that and how does that how how does the senate impact like all of this stuff for me when i see that i see a fight i don't want to be involved in i see white people fighting 
And that's, first of all, hilarious. Second of all, like, (laughs) second of all, it feels like this, this, I I, want to be careful because this talking about this virus is very uh, polarizing. Um. I know this virus is so real from having my dad having it and being so up close and upfront with it. But I also resonate with people who feel like we're giving away a lot of ourselves and a lot of our rights in order to keep everyone healthy. Right. And I think we all know what it felt like when the airport changed and that never went back. Like there was this imminent threat and then that threat supposedly was gone. There was no more of like, first, I won't go down the rabbit hole, but that changed. September 11th happened and then the air, we never, we never stopped taking off our shoes, stripping, we never stopped stripping at the airport. Like, it's like. Unless you pay for it. Unless you pay. (laughs) So. When I, when I see those people storming with guns, when I see white folks like lining up throughout Manhattan and beach and Huntington beach out here in Cali, I feel inspired that they believe in their own personal freedom in a way that upholds what this country is supposed to be based on because we have an administration that can quickly strip our rights from us. And if there's nobody that's fighting it, because it is a very real threat, then we might be stripped entirely. I don't put nothing past these white folks. So I don't need to be outside protesting this. But I also, I see people saying they look like fools and I just question us to look at things a little bit more nuanced. I question folks to, to look at someone and say they feel like they're about to starve to death mm-hmm. if, yeah. if they don't open up their business Absolutely. and they're willing to take the risk because all of a sudden this man doesn't have manhood anymore in his family. Cause it was that fucking fragile. Right. I get it. I just, I, and I, you know, I don't want to get too political, but I've always felt that the left would do better by not making the right seem like stupid infants. And the more that that happens, the less I feel like the less progress we actually make, we have to look at why people do what they do. What mm-hmm. is their true motivation? It's not just they're stupid. Well, maybe they really believe in fucking freedom. And what their belief in freedom looks like is not mine, but it's freedom. I don't know. What do you think? Oh, you said I to get too political though. I'm like, Ooh. oh, go go ahead. This is this is this is we healing the culture. That's what this. Tell me, tell me what you think. Tell me what you think, B. Tell me the truth. Oh my goodness. I mean, it's very it's very complicated because I'm 
you know, my mom is a nurse and she's working with um, a lot of patients that um, have this diagnosis or, you know, suffering with it. And she's two months away from retirement eligibility. Mm. And I want my mom to be okay. And she's in a state where they have lifted the restrictions. <laughs> she's in Texas where I'm from. Mm. And I have a lot of concern about her life, my family's life, and mm-hmm. what it means. And um, I do think that there's, it's not, you know, we talk about interconnection. It's like, yeah, we want we want freedom what what you know let's just pretend we all share a definition but what does that <laughs> who does that impact and why mm-hmm. and we are i mean she talked about her hospital they had to open up a wing of the hospital that's the old wing that is non-functional but they didn't have enough room in their hospital for the mm-hmm. number of patients mm-hmm. so um that's you what know, I'm saying. It's very, very, very real. It's so real. It's, it's so it so is real, real as the black on my hands. It exactly. is exactly real. It is so real. So it's like it's not just about I want to be able to go out. It's like we don't have the infrastructure <laughs> to deal with everything just going on as it was. And you know, my mom is exhausted now in a way that she hasn't been. Um I've never seen her that exhausted. So I just think there's some of that. And then the piece you were saying around like definitely not infantilizing people, though I I do think that well, that's a whole other conversation. One thing that we were talking <laughs> about yesterday here in this household is like living out in the country, you actually have a different perspective, in my opinion, on the state. So you know, we have our own well out here. We have food that we're growing. We have animals oh. and things like that. Oh, wow. You like, so, you like off the grid grid. Like you for real, for real. Not completely off the grid grid, but I'm a lot closer than I used to be. So um, we were talking about how out here, your relationship to the state is that everything the state does is taking away something. Like, because we actually feel mostly like we got what we need. Mm. and you know what I'm saying? Like our food doesn't come through. So we were thinking about folks in the city and like everything that the state does has a, it's just, it, it gives and takes, it mediates your life in a different way. Like if you had a law that said, I can't be outside um, with an open container out here drinking a beer, that doesn't matter out here. You can't enforce that. <laughs> You're open for miles and miles, and you would never know. But if I'm in the if I'm in the middle of Brooklyn, yeah, you're gonna use that to take me to jail. You're gonna use that to mess up my life. So it's just like a different. Most of the t- people out here, it's like we don't care what they're doing when they start taking away things from me, and I'm like, wow, this is interesting because. Hmm it's just so in the city is so like um it's such a dictator of your day-to-day life and they have 
you know, I was saying this to somebody, the state has taken so much from black people in particular, prevented us from doing so much, taking so much, that a lot of the reason we engage with the state is to build power and also to, to um, keep the state from taking so much. But it's a different experience for folks mm. living out in the country. It's just a whole different reality have, and they pushed uh, us out of here. And there's a reason. I, I think, yeah, when I think about how everything was handled, I think I talked with Patrice here about like looking at the model of Taiwan or looking at models that have happened in other countries where they didn't stay at home. Yeah. They continue to move, they continue to work, but they continue to contain the virus in a very smart way. I just think, yeah, we could go on about we that. Um, what'd you say? I said we didn't. We had we stayed at home and we had the highest number of cases. <laughs> it's it's like we we did we we did it all the wrong way. Like <laughs> well before we, we wrap, I want to ask you one last question. It's really practical. What I love yeah. about somatic work when I was able to experience it was that I learned how to relate to my breath in another way. And I learned how to listen to what my body was telling me. Um, so I, I guess I want to ask you, are there some hands-on things that we can do to send love to ourselves oh yeah um two things i'll share here one is that um a friend of mine uh Sindola, who's a, also a teacher of somatics he recently introduced me to this um buddhist meditation sect and their way of sitting um it's a thai forest buddhist sect and they talk about the breath or they talk about sitting is like how do i make my breath most comfortable hmm. and to breathe in a way that actually invites your breath into deeper and deeper comfort and it has changed the way that i meditate I mean, partly i came from a, a zen <laughs> uh, lineage and that is very strict and rigid and this was very compassionate towards myself and my body so sitting getting in a position that makes your breath most comfortable finding the pace releasing whatever contractions but that the central practice is your own internal comfort mm to me is such a healing, loving practice. So um, I would I invite that. folks to look that up. It's so good. It's I love so good. that. I like, oh, wow. I love that because meditation is often seen as very, very strict and very, very regimented. And you're supposed to do it like this. That's right. And my favorite meditation is just to, to sit and feel my heart smile, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. exactly well that connects to the other practice i was going to say was like sometimes i have assigned clients just to 
take their hand and let themselves like kind of inhabit their hand so they can really feel it and be there. And then just apply it to their, over their heart and practice extending love in and then allowing their body or letting their body believe it. And if you have someone else there, you can do it with them or you can just do it with your own hand. But just the extension of love. So the practice is both. How do I express and extend love through my hand? And then how can I believe it and receive it in my body and in my tissues too? Wonderful. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, how are you staying well right now, Prentice? What are you doing every day to stay well? I am growing food and hanging out with uh, the chickens and the guinea fowl. Watching life come up around me is just, it feels so much bigger than everything else. So I think if this hadn't happened in springtime, we'd all be in a lot rougher spot, but watching things blossom Mm -hmm. and grow has been my daily practice. Yeah. And I'll end with, I've been staying well by actually sitting with the names of my ancestors and reading them and thinking about them and knowing that they've seen moments like this and they've seen worse and yet we persist and yet we grow and yet we continue to carry on generation for generation, improving, adjusting, changing, just remembering that anything that happens is only going towards the betterment and the evolution of all of us. So maybe so. Maybe so. <laughs> I'm hoping for the best. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Princess. Thank you, Nani.